0: With our elders, with our lay elders, and it came through that we're praying for them, and uh, that was a that was a fun fun time just sitting with them and then uh, praying for them that day right after right after I got that text message. And so, uh, if you want to if you want to pray along with our church, now we're in the middle of a series. If you're a guest with us, we're in the middle of a series that we call Pray Twelve Twelve. Um, our church started in December of 2012, and uh, and we want to be a church that is known. As a church that prays, and so that's why we're doing this series, and we're talking about prayer throughout the month of of June. We're going to do that this morning, and so if you want to join along with us praying every day, you'll get a text message about noon, and it'll come through there, and you can pray along with your church. Ann Landers is an advice columnist, and uh, according to the resource that I found, this story is supposedly uh, true. Uh, There was a lady and a man. They they had been married for about 40 years, just over 40 years. And uh, he was a little bit of a a, kind of a tightwad, and she was a very gracious wife, you know, kind of uh, just making up for his shortcomings regularly, like in the Smith house, you know. Um, And so uh, he had been married. Like I said, they'd been married over 40 years, and um, uh, he got news. He got a diagnosis that he, he had terminal cancer. And it was at the end, and, and, and things were were, um, uh, were, were, not, were not going well. Well, he went to his wife. and Like I said, this is apparently a true story. Went to his wife, said, hey, I've been um, saving a little bit of money over the course of our 40 years of marriage. And I want you to take that money, and I want you to put it in my coffin whenever I pass away. It was about $25,000, $30,000. And I want you to, to make a promise. He brought, actually brought witnesses in. I want you to make a promise that you will put the money in in my casket, and she said yes. She said that she would, and uh, and uh, he he asked her again, like I'll, I'll just make the promise. You're gonna put it in there. And she said she would, and um, whenever he passed away, um, shortly thereafter, she took the money, she put it in the bank, and she took out a checkbook, and she wrote a check, and she put it in the pocket <laughs> She was like, if you cash it, then then there you go. Like she kept her word, sort of. Uh, this. This morning, we're going to look at uh, promises that God made, and he is not underhanded in keeping them. It's kind of a funny story, but but kind of in an underhanded way, she kept her promise. But we're going to look this morning at some promises, or a promise, that God makes, and he's not underhanded in keeping those promises, those gifts that he gives to us. In fact... Um, guy by the name of Everett Everett Storms. He read the Bible through 26 times. On the 27th, he took a year and a half and he wrote down every promise in the Bible that is made to us by God. And he came up with 7,484 promises that were made in the Bible to us, if you know Christ this morning. He's made a lot of promises and he keeps every single one of them. This morning, I just want to look at one. Jesus is in the upper room. He's, up, he's in the upper room. It's the night before he's going to die, before he's going to go to the cross. And, and he makes some promises. He offers some gifts to his disciples and, in doing so, offers these same gifts, these same promises to you and I if you know Christ this morning. These are promises given initially to the disciples, but these are promises that are, that are given to you and I. Through the power of the Holy Spirit as well, if you know Christ this morning. And I just want to look at one of them. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in John, the Gospel of John, chapter 14. We're going to look at verse 12 and a few verses at following that. John chapter 14, starting in verse 12. Here it is. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. And greater works than these will do. I wish we had time to unpack this, but Jesus just said that you saw the works that I did if you follow me you're going to do greater works than even I have done. Amazing, amazing promise. We're just not going to look at it this morning. And greater works than these he will do. Because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name this I will do. That the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. So the night before Jesus dies, he has his disciples around him, and he says, look, if you follow me, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be difficulty that comes. People are going to give you a bit of a hard time. Now, that shouldn't surprise us because if we follow Christ, if we follow Jesus, then we're going to do the things that he did. We're going to talk the way that he talked, and that got him killed. So at least we can expect a hard time, right? Right? And so Jesus, knowing that this is the case, knowing that this is reality, he gives us some promises. He gives us some gifts for the journey. One of those gifts that he gives us is prayer. Some of you are like me and you go, okay, predictable. What else you got? Well, what I'm hoping to do this morning is to unpack a little bit more of what prayer is and how great of a promise, how great of a gift it is to you and to me. If we know Christ this morning. And so what I want to do is I want to zone in on on, on uh or zoom in on on uh, verse 13. Kind of take a micro look at verse 13, and in doing so, reveal, kind of peel back a little bit of what uh of what Jesus is saying and the promise, the huge promise that he makes to us when he gives us the gift of prayer. So this morning I want to look at four points or four four parts of prayer. Number one is this: that there's a power there's power in prayer, there are conditions for prayer purpose of prayer and the foundation that we see in prayer. So let's jump in. First is this, the power, there is power in prayer. Look at what Jesus says in verse 13, and I will do whatever you ask. Now, when I read that, it is tempting for me to go, okay, wait, I just put the brakes on a little bit. Here's what he's not saying. And then jump right into the, the conditions or the caveats. Like It's not an open promise. And it's important that we realize that that's the case. It's not an open promise. There are caveats. This is, remember, this is given to people who are on mission. As Jesus' representatives in the world. These are given to people who are on mission. And representing Jesus in the world. That's who this promise is given to. And so that's important. But before we get into the other conditions or the other caveats, I just want to take a second and look at this huge promise that has been given to us. I mean, Jesus just said that whatever you ask, I will do. The king of the world, the creator of the universe, who holds the world in the palm of his hand, just said, you ask, I do. Amen. Let that sink in for a second. The God of the universe made a promise. You ask. I do. That's an amazing, amazing promise that's been given to us if we know Christ this morning. It made me think of James chapter 5. James chapter 5 is actually commenting on an Old Testament story about a guy named Elijah. You probably remember the story. Uh, Elijah goes to King Ahab, a wicked king, and he says, King Ahab, I am going to pray and it's not going to rain. (laughs) And it's not going to rain as long as I am away. But there's going to come a time I'm going to pray again. I'll come back to you. I'm going to pray again. And then water is going to fall. Rain is going to fall again from the sky. And that's exactly what happened. Elijah goes to God in prayer and he says, God, stop the, the rain. Send a famine to the land. And God says, that's exactly what I'm going to do. He listens to Elijah's prayer. And he stops sending the rain. There's a famine for three and a half years. Elijah goes away. He hides because he knows he would be taken out because of this. He goes away and he hides. After three and a half years, he comes back to King Ahab, and he says, all right, now I'm going to pray, and water is going to fall. Rain is going to fall again from the sky. And Elijah prays to God, and that's exactly what happens. Heaven, listen to Elijah's prayer. You may go, okay, that's Elijah we're talking about. That's not me. That's Elijah we're talking about. That's not me. Well, look at what James chapter 5 says as he comments on it. I'll, I'll just read it. You might want to jot it down and look at it later to make sure I'm not making any of this up. But here's what James chapter 5 says when commenting on this story. Verse 16. The writer says, the prayers of the righteous. That it means you and me if we're in Christ. You may say, well, wait, you don't know me. You don't know my heart. You're right, I don't, but I know Jesus' heart as it's revealed in the scriptures, and that's how our righteousness is measured. If you know Christ, that's, that's what our righteousness is measured on, and he did it perfectly. So the prayers of the righteous are powerful and effective. And then the, the com, uh, uh, James goes on and continues to comment, commentate or, or, or gives commentary on this story and says, Elijah was a man just like me and you. God heard his prayer and listened and responded. Heaven responds when we pray. You pray, I do, is the promise. I found this fascinating. John Calvin, you may recognize the name. He's known for for, uh, a term called predestination, which means that everything, history is set in stone. That's his his theology. But whenever he gets to this passage, James chapter 5, look at what even John Calvin says. It was a notable event that God put heaven, in some sense, under the control of Elijah's prayer and obedient to his requests. Even a person who says, God's over everything, he he has everything set in stone, goes, but when it comes to prayer, when it comes to prayer, God listens and responds. What an amazing, amazing promise. you ask i do now as i said before there are some caveats there's some conditions and jesus tells us that first or number 2 the conditions for prayer it says whatever i are in, and i will do whatever you ask in my name what does it mean to pray in my name in jesus' name I think there's two points, two conditions. Number one is this, that you have to be a follower of Christ. This is a promise given to people who know Christ, who are living on mission, that are are being his representatives in the world. The first condition of this promise is that you have to know Christ. Remember, last week we talked about um, uh, God's invitation to call him Father. And that's done through adoption. The New Testament tells us over and over and over again that when we bow our heart to the Savior and ask him to be the Lord of our life, to forgive us of our sins... That that he is grafted. That we are grafted into his family through adoption. Adoption's a legal term. It means that we have rights, responsibilities, and inherit and, and and inheritance. You are in line to the father and his things. Now now obviously we're not using the father for his things. That's that's idolatry, and and, and we don't get the things or the father. So so our we're, we get the father though. And, and the result is we are in line for his inheritance. The first promise for this, the first condition for this promise is that you have to know Christ. you got to know him. The second condition that I see, and there, there are many more. I'm just pointing out two. The second condition for this prayer, for this promise, is this, that you've got to ask. We have to ask. James chapter 4 says, you have have not because you ask not. Now, when I read that, I go... Okay, God's just trying to play a little bit of a game. Like, and I, I get it, but I don't really understand it. Why on earth, if God already knows, would he have me ask? Like, why don't he just give me what I need and, or, or, or what he uh, desires to give me? Because the Bible says I have all of these things, I have all of these gifts that I just want to lavish on you. If you'll just ask for them. And I go, God, why don't you just give them to me anyway? Why don't I have to ask for them? And in his graciousness to you and to me, he goes, because I know you can't handle it if you don't ask. I know your heart, Scott. And if I just lavish these gifts on you, you're going to think that you're the one who brought them on. You're the one who deserves them. And so you've got to come and you've got to ask. And I, as you ask, I'm just going to lavish these gifts on to you. And because you ask. You're going to know it's not because of you. It's not because you're talented enough, you're good enough, you, you fell out of the tree and landed on your feet. No, you're going you're gonna to know that it was a gift from, from me, that I'm the one who gets the credit for him. Because you came and you, you um, um, prayed, you interceded, and I listened. So the first thing is there's power. You ask and I do. There's conditions. This promise is given to people who are on mission, who know Christ, and who are asking, interceding in prayer. Thirdly, though, is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer. It says, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. And this is where I... I, It's almost a caveat, but where we go, okay, all of us have experienced unanswered prayer at times. I mean, Scott, you just said that that Jesus made the promise that if you ask, then I will do. And and I know Christ, and I've been praying. Scott, you don't even know. I've been praying for my brother for years, and the answer has always been, no, what are you talking about? I mean, I see what you're saying, but that's not the way – that's not the experience that I've had. What are you talking about? You ask, and I do, because he hasn't been doing. And that's where the purpose of prayer comes in. Because there are going to be times that Jesus says, the Father says no, or wait. It's not always going to be a yes. And ultimately, it's for our good. Tim Keller, when talking about the purpose of prayer, asks this question. What is the purpose of prayer? And then he gives an answer with with, with two more questions. What is the purpose of prayer? And then he says, is it to get God to satisfy your desires immediately or to set your hearts on the things that will satisfy your desires ultimately? Is the purpose of prayer to get your desires fulfilled, your immediate desires fulfilled, or... Is the purpose of prayer to set your hearts, or to set our hearts on his plan ultimately? And obviously we know the answer. That the prayer, that, that prayer, the purpose of prayer is to set our hearts on his, his ultimate plan, his ultimate plan in our lives. That's the purpose of prayer. But but let's be honest, that's a little bit of cold comfort, right? I mean, when you're in the middle of a hurt, and you're in the middle of pain, that's cold comfort. God, I get it, but, but, but that's, that sounds like a, a good answer for a theology class. I'm living life here, and I'm hurt, And the answer has been no, no, no. I've been praying. I've been interceding. I've been asking, and, and God has an answer. <clears throat> and I get that his desire is for my heart to be aligned with his ultimate purpose, I get that, but that's cold comfort. So the best comfort that I can give you this morning, while that is true, and I pray that 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 would be my prayer. Father, in this situation, whatever it is, in this past week, I've been there. I've been there. God, I, I want you to do a work in this specific area of my life. I want you to intercede, and I want you to work. And, and so far, I haven't gotten an answer, and I've been going, God, I know, I want, I want my, my prayers to be aligned with your ultimate purpose for my life. But that's still cold comfort for me, and so here's the best comfort that I can give you. God the Son was told no as well. The, the God, whom we worship, has experienced unanswered prayer. Has, has, has heard a no. You remember the story, right, in the Garden of Gethsemane? He's praying there, and he goes, Father, I want this cup to pass from me. I am not looking forward to the cross. Please take the cross away from me. And what does the Father say? No. No. Your immediate desire is going to be a no so that my ultimate purpose can be fulfilled in my Son and for the people that I love. So they have a way of salvation. Even God the Son experienced. A no answer to his prayer. And so when, when you're walking through a season of life and the answer is no, the one whom has saved, who has saved us has walked down that path as well. He's experienced the same thing that you've experienced, and I would argue at a far greater level, a deeper level. Even God the Son has been told no by the Father and has walked, having his immediate desires uh, given a no answer for the ultimate purpose. Now, I'm not, I, I don't always know what that ultimate purpose is. I, don't, I can't see it. But, but uh, theologians, one of my favorite theologians says that if we could see uh, history and, and, and perspective from God's point of view, if we could see this situation from God's point of view, it would all make sense. And his ultimate purpose would be clear if we had his vantage point. Thirdly, or excuse me, fourthly, finally, the foundation of prayer in the sun. All this is possible because of the sun. All of this is possible because of the sun. Because Jesus... Was willing to slip into the sandals of humanity, walk this earth perfectly, die (coughs) sacrificially, and rise victoriously. This promise is available to us. Because Jesus was willing to become one of us. And die in our place. For those that will call on his name, the Bible says, he will come in; he will forgive you of your sins. And this promise is available. That heaven hears and responds. Not always the way that we want. Not always the way that we desire. But in a way that his ultimate purpose is glorified. In us and through us. Ultimately for our good. And for his glory. So this morning. The way that you learn to pray is by praying. We can talk about it. But ultimately, the way that you learn to pray is by praying. And So I just want to take a couple minutes before we're done here and pray. And I want to pray for two, two two things in particular. Number one is thank God for the promise that that if you will pray, that heaven will listen and respond. And that's a huge promise that heaven hears my prayer. Lowly Scotsman, broken. Human being that I am. And the Bible promises that because I've been called according to his purposes, I've been saved by the blood of his son, that heaven hears my prayer. What a huge promise. And then secondly, that when the answer comes down, even if it's a no, that I would submit to it and understand that it's for his ultimate purpose – And that he has experienced this as well. We don't worship a Savior who's disconnected from us. We worship a Savior who has walked the same path as us. Including unanswered prayers. Let's pray. Father, this morning I come to you. I pray. That we would see you at work in these promises. And the, the first thing that we're going to pray, just individually, by yourself, thanking God for the gift of prayer. Would you do that? Just thank Him for the gift of prayer? And the promise that Heaven's going to hear us when we pray, whether we're, we're together, corporately, or we're individual, in our, in, in, in our places of prayer, when we, when we do that individually, like I talked about last week, going By ourselves, heaven hears us and responds. What a huge promise. Thank you for that. A, a, a reality sometimes that means that, that we are told no but would you thank him that he walked down the path ahead of us like this is a this is a, when we are praying when we pray and the answer is no that there is a well worn path ahead of us on that journey that Jesus walked down himself can you thank him for that